Hey, if you like free stuff, you're going to like Tim's Rewards by Tim Hortons. You can earn free food or drinks after every seven purchases. Cool. How do I win? Um, it's not a contest. You just use your Tim's Rewards card. And after seven purchases, you score a free coffee, tea, or baked good. Whoa. So I've got a pretty good chance of winning. Well, actually, you've got a 100% chance of winning. Those are great odds. <laughs> they sure are. Free coffee and more with Tim's Rewards. It's Tim Hortons' way of saying thanks. Valid only at participating restaurants. Please visit restaurant or timhortons.com slash rewards for full program details. Right now, you can get both Sprint's unlimited plan and the all-new Samsung Galaxy S10 included for just $35 per month per line for five lines. All you need is approved credit and 24-month installment billing. No trade-in required. Visit a Sprint store, Sprint.com, or call 800-SPRINT-1. Phone $15 a month after $22.50 a month credit. Apply within two bills of cancel early remaining amounts due. Unlimited basic after 630 20 Pay $32 per month per line for five lines with auto-pay data deprioritization during congestion. Speed maximums, use rules, and restrictions apply. for listening to Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast, keeping you up to date with the latest in American soccer. And don't forget to subscribe. Hello, listeners, and welcome to this edition of Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Jodder, and joining me would be Armand Kafai and Jake Watrova. However, they got sacked. No, I'm just kidding. That would be awful. They did not get sacked. We recorded an episode, and it got deleted. I don't know what happened to the recording, but it vanished, so we're not able to upload that to the interwebs for you to listen to it. Now, if before I continue... Follow us on Twitter, Unc Sam Soccer Pod. You can find the show on any major podcast platform. Review the show, subscribe, send in your comments. We love it all. Now, as I was explaining, the audio file is gone. But anytime we have a guest, we always have two people recording the interview. This week, Jake recorded the interview as I would record the full episode. So the backup interview will be playing on this episode because we think it's that interesting now our guest clemente lisi has been covering the u.s men's national team and mls for many years he's written about it he's published books articles he contributes to ussoccerplayers.com and he explains the context into why the earthquakes were relocated to Houston and how that compares in contrast to the current situation going on with the Columbus crew potentially headed to Austin. Now, Clemente does a wonderful job. Big shout out to him. Great insight and context. So we highly recommend listening to this interview, although the audio file isn't the best. So just a warning, listeners, we'll be back next week with a full episode uh, with great commentary from us, feedback, and uh, yeah. So we apologize, Clemente. This is not how we normally do things, but we'll be back next week. Enjoy the interview. Here it is. Now is Clemente Lisi 
Indy. He has covered soccer for two decades, written several books on the subject. He currently is a writer for USSoccerPlayers.com, where he covers <laughs> MLS and the U.S. men's national team. Clemente, how are we doing? Thank you for joining Good. us. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Clemente, we just got done talking about uh, the USL's uh, rebrand. Uh, do you have any thoughts on what they did this past week? Yeah, so, I mean, if you look back at American soccer history, you know, the, uh, the, the, so many leagues in this country, it's, it's often defined as an alphabet soup. Um, and given what happened the last couple of years between the USL and the NASL, the USL has become a closer, stronger partner to MLS and developing players. So this rebranding, this restructuring is good for them and it's good for players in this country. I mean, not much has changed other than moving some things around and you often see that in American soccer, you know, some leagues every once in a while think they need a fresh coat of paint, which is what they do. And, um, but I think as long as the partnership with MLS continues and they have different structures and more leagues, more divisions, I think that's good for this country. And it shows that, you know, soccer in this country is not just MLS, but there is a whole umbrella of leagues and, and teams that help develop players. Clemente, do you, with the way that USL is structured, do you think we're going to see promotion relegation at any point here in the next five or ten years? I mean, specifically in USL, MLS is a completely different story, obviously. But do you think this is trending towards pro rel? Well, yeah, I think I think they want to test it in the USL because it's more low risk. Um, when we talk about MLS and relegation and promotion, you have owners who spend a lot of money buying into the league, and they don't really want their teams relegated. In the USL, different. The buy-in is much lower. Um, it's a good place to experiment. So yeah, I think there might be experimentation there. Definitely, the way they're setting it up, setting up the divisions, it looks like they're aiming towards that, and that's a good thing. Um, in the end of the day, if teams really want to get out of that structure, they're going to end up in MLS, like Cincinnati or some other franchises. So I think it's good that this exists as kind of a testing ground before MLS ever comes around to the idea. All right, Clemente, let's get to the real reason why we have you on the show. And it's to talk about and contrast and compare uh, the situations between the San Jose Earthquakes to Houston and what's going on with Columbus and Austin. For our listeners, could you give us a little historical context or just the backstory to why the Earthquakes did get relocated to Houston? Sure. So amidst all the talk currently about moving Columbus to Austin – the only other time the league ever moved a team was back in the mid-2000s when, indeed, the San Jose Earthquakes moved to Houston and became the Houston Dynamo. Before that, they were known as the San Jose Clash. Now, there's some major differences here between that situation and the current one. Um, at the time, the league owned um, the Earthquakes, and so uh, Phil Enschutz, who owns AEG, ended up sort of buying the team, and he already owned the Colorado Rapids and the LA Galaxy, and so he was one of the, that's why the trophy is named after him, he was, he's actually one of the few people in the early years of the league who was bankrolling a bunch of teams and keeping the league afloat. So, um, at the time, the Earthquakes played at Spartan Stadium, which was not owned by them, so all the revenue that they made at the stadium didn't, did not go to the team. The team had, you know, sort of average attendance, kind of low attendance. They were making no money. In, a lot, in other words, they were losing tens of millions of dollars. And so the natural move was we have to get this team out of here. We, 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 either that or we need a buyer, right? But at the time, nobody was buying into MLS, not like today. Mm-hmm. So nobody came forward. And 
So from the snatching and the tradition of soccer in San Jose and all that, the team ended up moving to Houston. And as we know, the team was very successful in Houston and won back-to-back MLS titles and then went on to compete for the title in years later. And then the Earthquakes kind of came back as a rebrand in San Jose years later. Absolutely, Clemente. And one thing that we've been we've been getting, as Stephen has mentioned, is a lot of feedback whenever uh, we do mention the San Jose to Houston move. Uh, pe- people are like, that's, that's completely different. Those are two completely different things. Do you see any similarities uh, between the two, between that move and the potential move of the Columbus crew to Austin? I mean, look, you have to give credit to the people who say it's different because it is different. At the time, they were looking for an owner, and they moved out of desperation. The situation in Columbus now is mostly out of one of greed, which is um, Matthew Stadium is sort of outdated. It's this erector set of a stadium that you know many American soccer fans are attached to because the U.S. won many games against Mexico there, and it's become sort of this special place, spiritual home for American soccer. But the truth is the stadium wouldn't necessarily house a high school team nowadays. There's no luxury boxes. There's nothing there, nothing in the area. So the stadium is outdated, and they want to put one downtown. The issue is that the city doesn't want to pay for it, and we get into the usual arguments over downtown stadiums versus one of the suburbs and whether or not a team should be there or not. So it is very different. Um, The similarities are that you're moving the team, and so the fans who are there who attach this team – they're upset, obviously, and, and for them, it is ripping a team away from them. And so I always say, you know, we don't have promotional relegation in this country, but we do have teams that actually move from one city to another, which in a lot of ways is a lot worse because there are going to be no fans left in Columbus if they move to Austin, obviously, right? So you are taking something and snatching it away. I will add, though, that attendance in Columbus is bad, and it is currently last in the league in terms of attendance, they average about 12,000 fans a game, which is not great for a team that's playoff bound. And that is actually playing some pretty good soccer. So, uh, Come on, say, wait, I, I've had a lot of people <laughs> on Twitter uh, come at me about, you know, come at me basically saying that I don't know what I'm talking about when I, when I talk about how I don't think MLS fans really care so much that the San Jose Earthquakes moved to Houston and that, you know, when you look at things, you know, when you break things down and look at things on the surface, this, you know, the earthquake relocating to Houston is, you know, you know, one of the original franchises relocating kind of like how Columbus potentially could to Austin for, for people who aren't familiar or who haven't had their, uh, <laughs> their mentions or DMs blown up by Save the Crew fans. Could you, could you talk <laughs> about what the differences are between the earthquake relocation to Houston versus the crew's p- potential relocation to Austin? Well, right. I mean, basically what we're getting at is that if San Jose had not moved, they would have disappeared, right? They would have, the league would have probably killed the team like they did with Miami and Tampa, right? In the case of Columbus, the, the team could still live in Columbus. I mean, you know, that, that's the difference is that they don't have to move to Austin. The move is greedy on the part of, of the owners of the Columbus crew because, the, the, sure, the team is not doing well in attendance, but trust me, if the team were to win MLS Cup this year, that attendance would grow next season, trust me, because people would jump on the bandwagon, even locally. So that is the major difference, that the owner, in this case, is seen as someone who's very greedy. And you can't argue with that. And he wants to make money, right? So 
that's not a bad thing. But if you're a fan of this team and you're very close to it, then you feel that they're putting greed over passion and love for your team. And that's the major difference. At the time, the earthquakes really had no, no chance. Either they moved or they would disappear. And so that's what happened. That, that's the major difference. And that's why crew fans are so passionate about it and why so many people are supporting keeping Columbus where they are. Absolutely. And Clemente, I'm curious, what was the, the pushback media-wise? Obviously, it was a whole different age regarding technology and what media has come to. But were people, or were, you know, out the, my big point is that kind of what Jake was going off on, people don't care. American sports, there's a lot of relocation going on and off. But back then, did, was there within the league or the fans within the league, were they looking at this and confused by it or were they like, okay, well, at least this makes sense. We can see why they're moving to Houston and now looking back, the earthquakes did get a team back. Ultimately, Houston did win two cups and, you know, right. a lot of them are, are kind of disappointed with the fact that the players went on and were successful. It'd be interesting to see Columbus, you know, in a situation if Columbus were to get moved to Austin, the team right now is quite successful what if they get some momentum, a little more money gets thrown into the squad, they make a run for a cup, and then, you know, if years down the road, Columbus does come back to MLS, and, you know, they sit at the bottom of the league because, you know, they have to restart from scratch. Right. Well, look, the major difference is that it was 10 years ago, 11 years ago, and in the, in the, in the world of American soccer, 10 years is, is like a lifetime, right? So mm. 10 years ago, when the team left San Jose, there were a lot of broken hearts. But there really was no big media outcry. And the other major difference was Twitter was not what it is today. So fans now that are very vocal can get on social media and, and create a groundswell, right? Create, you know, create a hashtag and start a movement, which has now been afoot for now over, a little more than a year. And so that's the major difference, right? So, you know, social media is helping, you know, keep the crew alive, or at least keep this message alive when times didn't really have the that groundswell because it didn't exist. The only, you know, the other similarity is that we're moving a team from one place to Texas, right? That's the other similarity mm. that, that, you know, the earthquakes moved to Houston, this would be moving a team to Austin. So, you know, there's some similarities uh, in this Venn diagram of American soccer where, you know, teams are joined in very odd ways. And I, I point out in my article that I wrote a few months back, um, how the Houston San Jose game is a bit of a rivalry because, you know, San Jose Earthquakes then did reemerge as a new team years later, and you know it was fairly successful. Um, um, and the other player that they both have in common is Steve Wondolowski, so um, which is interesting. But um, yeah, this is kind of the overlapping nature of American soccer. But the major difference today, in a nutshell, is Twitter. I, I will say that that is the big, the thing that's, that elevated the conversation um, and kept the saved the crew in the in the spotlight. Clemente, do you think that uh, MLS could reach a conclusion like they did with uh, San Jose and Houston and uh, essentially giving an expansion spot to a future Columbus team should uh, Columbus move to Austin? Do you think they might reach that point, especially with a lot of the uh, backlash they've been getting because of uh, this saga? Yeah, so it, the other similarity is that it may all turn out the same way, which is the team moves to Austin, does a pretty good job, gets a nice shiny stadium, everyone's happy. And then a few years from now, there was a new team in Columbus with a new owner, potentially with somebody with more money 
who realizes, hey, there's a big void here. Columbus is a major American soccer city, and we should definitely have a team here. I mean, that's a little consolation for crew fans today who have to sort of hope that it happens, right? Someone has to come in, a benefactor who says, sure, I'll put some money in and we'll create a team when, you know, the fans are arguing, why, why not just do that now? Why not just, you know, help this team out now? Why, why is the local city council not approving a stadium? Why, you know, all these whys, right? And, you know, the, the big issue here overall nationally too is the taxpayers want to pay for stadiums for rich, you know, um, fo- you know football, soccer, baseball team owners. And the answer really is no. And that's become sort of the big issue in a civic way. Some of these other cities love having soccer come to their towns, like Atlanta or Nashville, you know, Seattle. These other places love having Portland. They love having soccer teams come to them. And so it sort of depends on the groundswell, you know, and what, what MLS thinks is a good business decision. And we can't argue that MLS has made some really good decisions over the past two decades to keep this league not just afloat but growing. The original file got deleted. Well, here we're missing a question. So when it rains, it pours. Uh, the question here was asked by, I believe, Armand, and it was regarding Alexi Lawless's proposition to give Columbus a USL team. Well, I mean, it's an interesting proposition and it's kind of a consolation prize. And maybe that would be a way of, of doing what we just said, which is, hey, we give them a USL franchise. It starts growing in popularity, and, and you know what? We'll give them a spot in MLS in a couple of years, which may be a good idea. I often find that whenever Lawless does a halftime rant about anything, usually people do the opposite, so maybe that's not helping Columbus at all. <laughs> My fear is that he speaks from the heart. You know, if you, if you know Alexi personally, and if you've ever interviewed him or met him, he's very passionate about American soccer, and he's sort of like a fan advocate, and I think he sort of thinks this could be a good compromise, and, and maybe it is. You know, maybe it is, and you know, in a world of promotion relegation, it wouldn't matter, right? Because USL, you know, because the USL and MLS would sort of be one league, and then maybe Columbus would go up and down. And you know, I don't know. I mean, this is also something that maybe could happen in the future. But do I think it's a good idea? Maybe, but I think Columbus fans might actually be offended, you know, knowing that their team would move to Austin and they would get as a consolation prize. Hey, look, we're going to give you this team full of no-name players that are going to compete in the lower league. And you know what? Maybe one day, hey. You can make it too, you know. I don't think they're going to go for that. Yeah, it's interesting, no doubt, what's going to pan out. Clemente, we really appreciate you taking the time here on this Sunday just to chat for us for a couple of minutes to give us more context into the situation regarding, uh, I guess, Columbus to, to, to Austin and, you know, going back through MLS archives, which is incredible. Think about the league's been around for 23 years, and, you know, you got already got to find some people who are historians, so, yeah, it's true. <laughs> it, it's interesting. But uh, last question here. Where, how do you see this playing out? We've asked multiple people. Everybody gives us the typical, I have no idea. But what's your gut telling you? Okay. So, yeah. So my gut tells me a couple of things, which is we're, we're entering October, which is a fork in the road for me. So if Columbus goes on and wins MLS Cup this year, right, in the next two months, three months, then we have a different story, I think, than what I think will happen, which is the team will eventually have to move, whether it's in 2019 or 2020. Mm-hmm. Now, sort of the buzz, you know, the sort of thing to keep an eye on, too, is they start selling season tickets for next season, and apparently they started doing that already, at least marketing them for 2019, So, which is interesting because it tells you that you know, even they don't know whether or not they're going to be in Austin or in Columbus next year. But I think 
look at this team, look at how they do in the playoffs. That will matter, right? That's, that's a big indicator of whether or not a team will move. MLS does not want to have a public relations nightmare on their hands. If the team wins MLS, MLS Cup, they're not moving. Not this year. It looks really bad to have your champion move. But if they don't win it, which is a real possibility, I mean, they're currently fourth in the East, you know, anything can happen in the playoffs, then I think there's going to be more talk of them moving, and then maybe they're going to be moving by 2020. That's my prediction. So, so wait, so you, you're saying that if they win the Cup, there's no chance that they move? No, I don't think no chance. I think the chance gets diminished big time. Oh, okay. because, like I said, the league, the league is now, you know, is, the league gets more attention than it did back in 04, 05, 06 when Houston and San Jose was happening, right? So it would be a PR nightmare to have your champion move. I mean, it would be headlines around the world. You know, <laughs> the MLS champion would be moving from one city to another because in Europe, this is like sort of unheard of that a team would sort of lock up and move. You know, Europeans always laugh at the word franchise when Americans say, you know, the New York Yankees are a franchise, right? Um, in Europe, it's, it's different. The the stakeholders are not just the owner, but the fans. Here, the fans are treated more like, hey, this is a product and you're buying the product, but you don't own any of it. And we don't really care what you think, right? And that's what, that's what they're saying to crew, crew fans right now, right? So I think the big asterisk is if they win the cup. That's what I think. That's real interesting. I think you're the first one that has <laughs> mentioned that on the show, and that's something I don't think we would have thought of. But that's uh, something we'll, we'll have to talk about after the interview. Clemente, thank you so much for joining us today. I want to give you the opportunity to plug your books, plug your Twitter, where we can find your, your work. Yeah, please. So, yeah, um, go to scarecrowpress.com, and you can see my books there. Um, I've written one about the U.S. national team last year that is of interest to you as soccer fans and uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Clemente awesome thanks again Clemente thanks for having me hey if you like free stuff you're gonna like Tim's Rewards by Tim Hortons you can earn free food or drinks after every seven purchases Cool. How do I win? Um, it's not a contest. You just use your Tim's Rewards card, and after seven purchases, you score a free coffee, tea, or baked good. Whoa, so I've got a pretty good chance of winning. Well, actually, you've got a 100% chance of winning. Those are great odds. <laughs> they sure are. Free coffee and more with Tim's Rewards. It's Tim Horton's way of saying thanks. Valid only at participating restaurants. Please visit restaurant or timhortons.com slash rewards for full program details. Right now, you can get both Sprint's unlimited plan and the all-new Samsung Galaxy S10e included for just $35 per month per line for five lines. All you need is approved credit and 24-month installment billing. No trade-in required. Visit a Sprint store, Sprint.com, or call 800-SPRINT-1. Phone $15 a month after 16-25 month credit. Apply within two bills or canceled early. Your main balance due and limited basic after 6-30-20. Pay $32 per month per line with auto pay. Data due prioritization during congestion. Speed maximums. Use rules and restrictions apply. 